Welcome to Comfortable Place on the Couch, a short-run podcast exploring every Midnight Oil album in the year of their Great Circle Tour. My name is Darren Folds, and in the upcoming months, I'll be spinning every Midnight Oil studio album from my comfortable couch, as well as taking a listen to some of their EPs, live recordings, and video releases. Joining me each episode is my longtime friend and fellow Midnight Oil enthusiast, Robin Harbin. Robin, it is now morning time. Wow. Here we are. Still sitting on the couch. Talking diesel and dust. Talking diesel and dust. This is part two. This is crazy. Who would have thought we could talk this long about this album? Man alive. I was not expecting this. I think that we're joining in as we flip over to the second side of the album. So shall we just jump straight into things? Part two. I made you stop so that so that I could get yep. my beer that I bought specifically for recording the podcast yeah now anybody who listens to our podcast knows that we don't have a sponsor nobody wants to sponsor us yeah but if Uh, well we haven't even tried to get a sponsor so collective arts brewing if you would like to sponsor us i would be more than happy because my favorite beer right now is uh, their ransack the universe ipa what they do is they they brew good beer and on their cans they put art on it Um, from local artists and stuff like that. And so this can happens to have Peter Garrett on it. (laughs) Walking on the heads of other Peter Garretts. (laughs) Yes. I will post a photo in the show notes. But uh, yeah, it's like this bare-chested, tall, bald guy walking out on stage ready to scream a few lines. Well, he's standing on heads, though. That, too. Yeah, maybe he's on a stage behind the heads, but and they're not paying attention to him. <laughs> they're looking left, and he's walking right. Because because Peter Garrett, he doesn't follow the crowd. No, he makes... even though he is the crowd, <laughs> right? Doesn't he look like? He... Yeah, well, those those guys don't look like Peter Garrett's. No, they have a different face. Okay, yeah. So, hmm. So you like that beer? So yeah, I bought this. Partially Special. because I really like this beer, and also because Peter Garrett. Um, so does every can of that flavor, so to speak, mm-hmm. have that same art? On no, it? it doesn't. Oh. Yeah, so I saw just... this one, I thought, oh, not only do I like this particular beer, but the art on this one in particular fits. Yeah. I'll drink that while we're recording our podcast. Good. This is the first time you've been drinking beer during... Second I think, time. I think I drank a beer during the Goat Island concert as oh, well. Oh, I think you did too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You get a bit more argumentative after... Uh, I wasn't arguing at the Goat Island, was I? I was arguing last week or last episode. I think I meant to say you get a bit less argumentative after drinking a beer. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. So back to my boring music theory thing. Basically, the song plays with B major and B minor... And at times it goes major, and that goes back to B minor. And uh, the responses, parts of the song are kind of undetermined, like right because they don't they don't they emphasize don't pass the third either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, but then the guys will sing the doo doos in response. Yep, those will be minor, for example. And then at the rest, at the near the end of the song, 
it goes major and stays major for the rest. Okay. Maybe as a as a kind of a hopeful thing or sure. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm done talking about the music. Okay, well, I, I want to add a few drum things yeah. then. Talking earlier about that rattly dry sound um, from the cymbals and stuff that yeah. Rob has throughout the album. Another good example is heard um, in the hats throughout both the first and second verse. Instead of dry, can you say natural? Well... Or that's not what you mean. You know what I mean? I mean rattly okay. in this case. Um, he plays his hats um, a lot more loose and open. For those who don't know about hi-hats, here's your lesson. Um, those are the the two cymbals that are on, on a stick. The two r- round, shiny drums. That's right. Two cymbals that are on a stick, usually to the left of the drummer. And there's a pedal that operates, the foot-operated pedal, that raises and lowers the top symbol so they can either be pressed together or they can be open completely kind of like a robot mouth yes do you remember sam the robot from sesame street yes yes he was basically hi-hats wasn't he He was like hi-hat head yeah yeah with eyeballs on it um so when you have your your foot down and your two hi-hats pressed close together you get just a, a a tight crisp sound when you open your foot all the way up and the hi-hats separate completely you play the top hi-hat and it sounds like a cymbal. And when you play with the hats touching but not pressed down tightly together, you get a bit more of that rattly sound. And as, as a good drummer can do, like you can have so many variations between tightly pressed together and loosening up the whole way through until you get like yeah. a, a fully loose set of hats. And so you you're get... controlling that with your foot while you're hitting them with the sticks. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Rob fantastic drummer and i think we talked about this i i mentioned this um previous albums where you can hear him loosening up the hats throughout an entire verse or a chorus or something like that let me just play a little bit of his loose washy dry rattly hats in dead heart here in the verses So just example of, of him mm-hmm. opening and closing the hat and getting that, that rattly sound going on. Yeah, and um, I was talking about how the bass has that snap. When a bassist and a drummer are playing very tightly together, they can often, the bassist will, and the kick drum, yeah. will attempt to perfectly match That's right. and emphasize each other. Yeah. And some so the, the kick of the kick drum... Mm-hmm will have a snap to it yep. that can... The attack of it. The attack of it that can emphasize the bass. Yep. Now, I don't know if in that song, do you think the kick drum is contributing to that? Or is the kick drum only playing every second or... No, I, do, I don't think he's playing everything. At most, I think Rob, and this is just, I'm not even listening to it. I'm just thinking my way through it. Yeah. At most, Rob is playing on every beat. So um, four bar... While yeah. the bass is playing eight times a bar. Yeah. So I think that there's a very distinct kind of, I want to call it a click. I need a better, mm-hmm. I need a word in my bass sure. vocabulary for this. But I think it's the pick uh, attacking the string. Okay. Other fun drum stuff. This is the song that has the big thunder drums. Those are also kind of iconic drums where the the drum gets to do something in response to a vocal. 
Yeah. Right. Pete sings something and then sure. there's this drum hit. A little yeah. fill, a little. To emphasize the seriousness, the direness of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to talk about the the dual acoustic guitar trick? Yeah, that's what we've we've covered that in previous shows. But the idea that both Martin and Jim, each with an acoustic guitar, uh, will strum extremely tightly together, yeah. so that it sounds like they have one giant mm-hmm. acoustic guitar. And um, the video for Dead Heart. At yeah, one point, uh, you've got Jim and Martin sitting down, just playing together, and, and you they, can just see them. Boy, are they perfectly so together, right? Eh? And yeah. I, I didn't actually go back and, and rewatch to see what was going on, but you know how they, they strum along and then there's the little chick-a-chunk that they sometimes do? I was wondering, does Jim do one and then does Martin do it the next time and does Jim do one and Martin do it? The, or yeah. are they just, are they chick-a-chunking together even? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the answer, but I know there are a number of songs where when I, when I start realizing, boy, they got these two guitars. I'm talking like, I don't know, 20 whatever years ago. Mm-hmm. Um that they've got these two guitars and they will each take turns doing those sort of things. Yeah. Horns play the doo-doo-doos. The chimes come in at the end to play the, yeah. to emphasize the doo-doo-doo line. And, then, and is that like a string accompaniment there yep. as well? Yeah. Exactly. So it's just, yep. so everybody's kind of playing it up there. Yep. Uh, for those of you following the guitar, it makes an appearance in the video for Dead Heart. So, you know, even prior to the re- recording of of diesel and dust because i assume that they would have had a video out for dead heart when they released it as a single maybe they didn't yeah anyway the guitar shows up (laughs) in there martin's playing it uh giffo is in the video for dead heart of course because this was actually released prior to diesel and dust and even though giffo was around he definitely was in the band at this point playing yeah lyrically yeah, it opens out quite boldly. Eh? We don't serve your country, don't serve your king, mm-hmm. don't know your custom, don't speak your tongue. White man came, took everyone. Yeah. So obviously this is a song written uh, from the Aboriginal perspective. Yep. Interestingly, before they even really met with uh, these Aboriginal, I mean... These particular, yeah. Yeah, before they went out into the outback. Yeah, they had... Um, so there's the, the outback portion of the tour like the Western Desert portion of the tour where they drove around, and then they flew up north, and I think they call that the top end. Okay. Maybe in strict rules they were referring to it as the top okay. end, so that's why I'm was I was I that's why I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's I'm the top end. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with that as an expression, but for sure. So there's, um, they actually did play out um, in at least one of the communities prior to the Blackfella Whitefella tour. Um, so when they actually made a point of, oh, we want to go back to meet our friends here in, in this community on, on this tour as well. So they were thinking about these things even before they went out on, on the Black Fella, White Fella tour and they wrote this album. But it's not that they were totally divorced from the people and they had absolutely no contact. Yeah. And yeah, there was nothing at all going on in their minds about that sort of thing. Yeah. I've often liked that uh, ending part. Uh, with the mining companies, pastoral companies, uranium companies, collected companies, got more right than people, got more of the same people. Um, and that's become kind of a, a growing issue, which I guess I, I had the idea of from this uh, album way back when. But in the U.S., for sure, if you have, you can uh, you know register a corporation and that has a lot of, the rights of a per like a corporation's kind of like a person sure 
uh, a legal yep. uh, entity, um, but it protects the people who run it legally yeah. from being sued yep. personally yep. for what the corporation does. Yep. It's a, a wall of protection. So maybe Australian law is the same. I guess Canadian law is yep. kind of like that too. Yep. Maybe a limited liability. Yeah, limited liability uh, corporation. But it's interesting how it was spelled out here 30 years ago in a song, but it's still resonating today mm-hmm. where as, as these huge companies do things they really affect the world and yep. yet they can't be held accountable the way people and it's can. not like there aren't people that are making these people decisions making and doing these things yeah. there is no such thing as a company that does things on its own yeah it's all people it is people making these decisions that profoundly impact other people yep. uh at times uh and yet they they don't have a say the company can do what it, well i mean that blue sky mining yeah uh also gets into this you left-wing nut job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a very popular line, I've noticed everybody wanting to sing along, and it gets quoted on three or four times in the last week. I've seen people quote, oh. 40,000 years yeah. can make a difference to the state of things. And yeah. people, it's interesting how that line just kind of comes out at the end there. The song's yeah. uh, basically done. I, I did look into that. And it's the Lake Mungo remains where they they dug up uh, human remains mm-hmm. uh, and dated it to roughly. There's all kinds of arguments still over ex- the exact age. Sure. But they're coming up with a number around 40,000 years. Yeah. So they're using that to say there's, there's fairly hard evidence that there has been this Aboriginal human presence in Australia for 40,000 years. Yeah. Uh, compared to all these newcomers. Okay. Whether, yeah. Whether it's 40. Yeah. As, as if it doesn't matter the fact that when you got off your boats, there were people here there. already. Yeah. Yeah. If that's not enough, then yeah, here's, here's more weight to that. That's got all this uh, history behind it. And it just seem it's a line that really seems to resonate with people. Yeah. But that's kind of the origin of it. Where, okay. Where that particular number comes okay, from. Okay, neat. Yeah. Um, the song written for the, the, land transfer ceremony ceremonially giving back uluru but also written i think to to bring awareness you know as you were reading the opening lines of the song of the the stolen generation we have our own stolen generation mm-hmm. of aboriginal folks um here in canada um yes. government deciding that um and you know just as we're talking about limited liability corporations yeah. as doing things it's easy for us to say government doing things People deciding, and this is in Canada and Australia, that they know better. They're going to take the indigenous folks. They're going to take the children away from their parents. In Australia, they would tell them, you're going on a holiday. Mm -hmm. They never come back from their holiday. Yeah, brutal. Uh, And we were speaking of Tragically Hip, the lead singer of the Tragically Hip. He had had a project for quite a while about a young boy who ran away from the Canadian residential school and tried to make his way home uh, hundreds of miles. Perhaps his final artistic uh, release uh, project uh, from the lead singer of the Tragically Hip was the solo album, the story of this uh, sad story about this boy. But he's um, really using his uh, his last days here to emphasize this plight. And and Cad is still coming to grips with 
uh, what we did to these communities when we arrived here, um, and the fallout that continues here, yep. uh, especially in our community, yep. uh, Thunder Bay, Kenora, Winnipeg, yep. uh, Saskatoon, um, which are all places where we've got where we live, where our friends live, uh, that have uh, a lot of uh, damaged, uh, like people with serious problems, uh, as all follow and. and we're, we're coming to grips mm-hmm. and try to solve this, I guess. Try mm-hmm. to, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Or as Jen likes to call it, hoo <laughs> Good. W-H-O? Who? A-H-ah. Ah. hoo So she read it on the... Yeah, it was playing in the car. Came up on the CD on yeah. the player, yeah. Yeah. hoo <laughs> Okay, you've got your acoustic guitars playing in there, and then about 15, 20 seconds in, you get the super processed drum. Is that a Yeah, it's a, a phaser? phaser. A yeah. phaser effect a phase on effect. those drums. And, yeah, and the song starts off such a dirge. Like, it's yeah. such a, I don't know, it's kind of a tuneless... Acapella. I, if, <laughs> if there's a song I don't like on this album... Oh, yeah. It's hua, it's hua, yeah. It, but you know what? The the phase drums help a little. Yeah. And later on, the imagery in the song really does get me. Yeah. Um, the very last verse, and by the end of it, it's not like I hate the song. Hate the song. If you were to rank all of Midnight Oil songs from best to worst, this would be in the lower third. This definitely would be in the lower third. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, What's it? Do I even like Midnight Oil? Yeah, <laughs> of course I, you do. Basically, I like I like all their songs. Yeah, but there's a few that you know I can still point at my bottom, my bottom, <laughs> my bottom. Excuse <laughs> me, <laughs> my left behind. I can point at my. Uh, I can what p- were you trying to say with that? <laughs> <laughs> I can still point at my. Bottom. I can still point at my bottom. That's it. It's hard to miss. Yeah, big bottom. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> What are you talking about? Uh, I love Midnight Oil. Yes. But there's still songs I don't like as much. <laughs> okay. I have no idea what it, you're it was, talking about. I think I was going boring. Did you say the bottom third? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. The, so that's if you what were to I was, rank all the songs yeah. from. So if we're talking about my bottom right. third, where's your bottom third? I can anyway. still point to my bottom. But I can still point to my bottom. <laughs> I don't think I was done my sentence. You interrupted me or something. Before we start talking about how this is a Peter God song or something like that, yeah, can I point out that Rob's uh, drum fill, about a minute and a half, minute and a quarter in, is one of my favorite rhythms to use for a drum fill. Let me just play it for you, and then okay. I'll tell you why I like it so much. Yeah. That is a good fill. That is a good fill. It's got like, it's the, the snare dun, kick, dun, kick, dun, snare dun. kick, kick, snare kick, boom. And I don't know if it is playing like three beats over a bar of four and just kind of cycling that through so you kind of get that that off kilter in the in the two middle ones before you come and land back on the on your one lands on the one with the rest of the band. But I like that. And whenever I get to play a fill something like that, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Is there anything else to say about the music? I guess not. Um yeah, it's just a really sparse arrangement for a song. It leaves lots of empty space, yeah. uh atmospheric, but yeah. 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 So 
Good this try. This is a song. Good try, Jim. Good try, Jim. I was trying to figure out what the song, like ever since I was a kid, because they blatantly said, you know, God is by my side. Yep. Uh, the Lord is my temple. God is by my side. But you pay the rates on the temple, build materials at the side. I don't know what the song's about. I'm still not sure I know what it's about. Do you have a... No, I, I can't tell you for sure what it's about either. Um, yeah, it's hard to tell if it's uh, if it's positive or negative. Yeah. Um, about like a the the perspective of of God is it? Like, I would imagine by this time, if Peter was writing lyrics, and we don't know that necessarily these are Pete's lyrics, they might be Jim's lyrics, and sometimes Jim likes to write about spiritual sounding things just for the fun of writing about spiritual sounding things. Yeah. Wherever on the on the Christian spectrum Pete aligns himself up with, at least at this point, he was on that spectrum somewhere. So yeah. when he's he's writing about God and stuff like that, he's probably writing about the Christian God, unless he's trying to write from the perspective, like something that's informed from the Black Fellow, White Fellow tour. Maybe he's not. Yeah. You, you just never really know. Maybe these are Jim's lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, and Jim, even on his solo stuff, uh, has stuff that might come across as being, you know, angry at God or atheistic, Mm -hmm. but it does seem to be focused around uh, the failings of the church, like basically the human uh, component of it. And that might be, so this this may be about religion being forced Hmm. on... Uh, on Aboriginal. Okay. Uh, do, can, do you get any of that sense? Yeah, I, um, I, I could definitely listen, try try listening through the song again and, and seeing if that fits in, but that's nothing that popped into my head. But let's talk about this ending, because this is kind of the, the most concrete yeah. part of the song, is this ending, Above We Dream In... Did, let's see if I can say this right. Andropov. Okay, Androposphere. So, yeah, but... Andropov, the beginning of this word, okay, there's this word, Androposphere. Yep. But there's this guy, uh, Yuri Vladimirovich uh, Andropov. Is he Russian? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's very much a Russian guy, uh, Soviet politician, the fourth general secretary of the Communist Party of the yep. Soviet Union. And he was only for 15 months from. November 82, and he died in February 84. But basically, he was, if you're the general secretary of the Communist Party of Russia, are you like the president? Like, was that the equivalent? You're high up there, whatever. You're high up there, yeah. But earlier, he was... You're a mover and a shaker. But before he got into that position, and then he died, he was the chairman of the KJB. Okay. All the way from 67... Until 82. Okay. 15 years yep. being the chairman of the KGB. Yep. In um, the middle of the Cold War. So you can imagine what this guy is. But I think what's going on here is that this is the communist Russia, the, the machinery of it, and the okay. Cold War. Yeah. If there is a thing, this androposphere. Okay, now you had a word. What was mm-hmm. your word? My word was anthroposphere. Anthroposphere. Antho- See, I thought that Pete or whoever wrote this, yeah. got the word wrong. And I thought that they were referring to the anthroposphere. Yeah, which is... did I, I don't know if I already said it or yeah. not, but I'll say, say it again. It again. Yeah. Um, it's humankind's effect, their built-up effect on the natural world. So our cities, roads, 
things that we build that have an effect upon the natural earth. Right. And so like uh, with climate change and all this sort of thing now, would that even... I think I think it's it's more specific to actual physical artifacts okay. that, that, that we build. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So perhaps like things like dams and stuff could yeah. have an effect. The way we affect like the that. world with our, yeah. with our buildings yeah. and stuff. So arguably this is like a portmanteau of anthroposphere and uh, this Andropov guy. So, so, so you're, so I, I guess I'm saying you've got the, 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 the machinations. Is that another word? Why am I Mr. Vocabulary? I here? don't know. What's going on here? Um, the workings. Yep. Of the gears and the cogs, yeah, the... of Cold War Russia, and then it mentions who maintains the drunken machinery. Yep. Below, we dream of a time when those men come from West Point. And you, did you look up West Point? I don't think I had to look up West Point. Oh, you you just knew it. Good. Uh, so, well, I think it's, it could be one of two things. Yes. Either West Point was where the Europeans arrived in Australia. Or West Point Academy is a military academy on the yeah, eastern seaboard of the United States. That's right. I was going with the military academy okay. idea. Um, but just that here, the men, this is the U.S. military yep. facing off against Russia. So what's going on? I don't know. Thank you for that satisfying conclusion. Isn't that a great ending? <laughs> so can we shine any light? I If, if I we're going can't. to turn this into kind of a Cold War thing. Yep. Can we look back? Supposedly the man with the landslide may be Reagan. Like the landslide victory? Yeah. In the election? Yeah. I don't know what hua is about at all. <laughs> um, I, I scribbled down some ideas and then I said, you know what? Or maybe this is just not it at all. At first I wrote down, is this just like a, a Peter God song that blends his experience with the the black fellow, white fellow tour? Is he trying to like maybe make some sort of connection between his concept of spirituality and Aboriginal. Was there any sort of comparison between, uh, and I always want to call it dream time, but I don't think it's called dream time. I'll just say dream time versus time before Europeans. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what this song is about. So let me come to my conclusion quicker and say, I don't know. This could just be one of those Pete Jim songs where they're, thrown out imagery and they've got an idea behind it but they're not letting us know what it is and just letting us try to wrestle with it and bring our own stuff to the table yeah. Ooh, uh, so i guess that's it for who uh speaking of um the end of the song it's got a sound at the end that's one of those things that we like to talk about oh okay. you can't have this song without this ending and the way the guitar just kind of bends down and fades out at the end So it's just Jim doing a big, what, glissando at the end on his organ there. Is that what that is? Yeah, and that's an organ, okay. not a... Not a guitar. Not a guitar. What do I know? Okay, can we move on to Bull Roar? They got in trouble for that, eh? Oh, did they? Tell me. Yeah. Um, so apparently they... So the Bull Roar, as you were talking about earlier... Yeah. It's a, it's a type of instrument that's found all around the world. Yeah. Um, lots of different cultures have a board on a stick that they swing around in the air that makes neat noises. Apparently in Aboriginal Australian culture, 
Um, this is one of their sacred instruments. This is a, a men's only kind of thing. Um, and they play it during their ceremonies or they actually, I don't know what they do with it because it's a secret and they right. don't tell us. However, the oils got permission from the elders in, in uh, the Kintor community to use the sound of a bull roar. So they thought they were good with it. This is the sound that you hear at the beginning of the song and at various other points during the song. However, uh, a different group, the Sacred Sites Authority in Darwin, uh, took issue with this and said, oh, you can't be using this. And so, you know, there was a little bit of a, a media hubbub about it for half a week or so, how the oils, you know, misappropriated the sacred instrument and the sound on their album. Nobody actually approached the band about it, and the problem went away, and yeah, and we've still got it on the album. I had read, I thought it was a Rob quote, that they didn't actually play a real bull, bull roarer. And I had read that somewhere too. I don't know if it was in Dodson's or in Strict Rules yeah. or something else. Yeah, I I also read that it was like a simulated bull roar sound. Yeah, it was like a, a kid's version of it with okay. a string and a ruler. Yeah. Or whatever that kids swing around at school. Okay. Uh, and that they actually use that also kind of as a sign of respect. Yep. Yep. It sounded like they were attempting... To respect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember making my own bull roar after hearing this album and either finding out from you or somewhere else, look it up in encyclopedias or something, I yeah. guess, back in the day. And I remember being in my backyard. Wearing your, your kangaroo, your purple kangaroo <laughs> sweater. That was so important. Yep. Okay. Got the dobro in the song. Oh, is that dope bro in that? Pretty sure it is. Here, let's listen to this and oh. tell me what you think it is. Okay. I'm not convinced that's a dope bro. Maybe in headphones it sounds more like a dope bro. Yeah, dope bro, I didn't hear that rattle much. Uh, yeah, either the rattle or the slide that a dobro typically has. Yeah. Um, so I would have thought it's just a very closely mic'd acoustic guitar. Okay. And you're just really twanging out the okay. the notes strongly. Well, but it's, yeah, it's I, possible. But I do like that line. It's 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 just this very simple yep. extra bit. Yeah. Yeah, and halfway through the song there's just this almost strange chord solo where they just play the riff the, there's a chord riff. Actually, this is like uh, progress. Okay. Uh, in that there's a riff built just around chords, and they repeat it several times, like 30 seconds worth of just. I think they do that four times, and there's no change there's no yeah there's no solo and in the background there's that that yeah that's so, the bull roar so maybe it is just a chance there. for the bull roar to yeah get a bit more time I, I found odd it was almost like how jim let that go as far as percussion goes in this song um just after that that section you get some odd percussive sounds you get some claves maybe coming in there some other yeah. sounds you get the bull roar coming back in there Yeah, 
yeah, just another example in this album of kind of building up percussive sounds, different yet natural sounding rhythm yeah. in the song. I don't think there are any hi-hats or any rides at all in this song. Oh. It's got the, the snare, again, on the two and the four, like we've heard on so many other songs, just kind of keeping things going nice and simple. Maybe this is another example of Rob driving his 4 by 4 down the corrugated highway. Yeah. Just keeping it simple, not changing gears, just thump, thump, thumping away, smacking away. Lyrically, this is my favorite song on the album hmm. because it this is like Place Without a Postcard, part two. There's just great imagery on here. Okay. Uh, these in the desert, in the dry, yep. on the overland telegraph line. Don't take the law into your own hands. Don't go looking for a fight. In the desert, in the dry, sun sits so high, long days mile, and the radio crackles and the bones bleach white. Yep. Four short lines. It just so describes oh, a place yeah. like and, and uh, an atmosphere. Um, it's a knock em down storm, see the tin roof shake, wild dog howls, and the long grass whistles, and the tall trees break. So just like Lucky Country and some of the other place without postcard, sure. this song totally takes me to Australia, to yep. the outback. It describes it so well, you can see it through the lyrics. Yeah, and it's uh, and it both takes, it's not just the environment, but it's also the human impact on it with yep. the, the telegraph lines, the tin roof shake. Yep. You know, the desolate beauty of the outback, yep. uh, the human existence there. Last line of the song, or yep. towards the end there, lead me on to my homeland. It's almost like the oils are are discovering and taking ownership, like becoming part of this place, this other part of Australia that I guess not tons of folks go to. It very seems very par- sparsely, parsely populated. Par- parsely populated. <laughs> sparsely populated. Yeah. Yeah, and so like that again being like a place without a postcard type thing, you know, this this is part of my Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, this is the the time it has that line uh reached a hun- temperature in the shade had reached 110 again. Hopefully that's not Celsius. I would hope. Yeah. Even Fahrenheit's pretty brutal. Um so I I hinted at this beds are burning. Yes. Has the 45 degrees Celsius. Uh, I did some math. 110 Fahrenheit is 43 Celsius. 45 Celsius is 113 Fahrenheit. So nearly the same numbers. Yeah. But people are confused. Why Why would they have 110? Why would they have 45 on the same? Yeah. But just like here in Canada, in 1970, Australia adopted the metric system mm-hmm. and say so did we yep uh australia's being a bit more effective at it but no matter what for somebody who grew up with the imperial f- measurements yeah the fahrenheit system yep uh the oils in 86 87 when they're writing these songs would definitely yeah but like for somebody who yep. grew up doing things one way yeah that's just how it works like even though you and i grew up with metric Yes. I still think of my weight as pounds. Oh, yeah. Because my parents do, and it's just it just took a long time for things to come around. The point is, in 1987, that was only 16, 17 years after Australia turned metric, yep. became metric. Yep. Uh, so that's why. Yeah. And it's also a fantastic internal rhyme. I love internal rhymes. Oh, yes. I'm an internal rhyme junkie. Are you? Oh, yeah. I, I thought c- you were just the guy who says, I don't have to rhyme a thing. No, but then I love a good internal rhyme. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's just 110 again. 
Oh, okay. Lost songwriters attempt to rhyme like every second line, the last yeah. syllable of it will yeah. rhyme with the you know yeah. fourth line and the second line. Yeah. But then sometimes you can cram these little rhymes inside a line, internal right rhymes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love it. Oh, that's cool. Okay, that's enough talking. Do you like Bull Roar a lot? I like Bull Roar. I'm gonna I just about asked you again. You've already said what your favorite song on the album is, haven't you? No, I haven't. Okay. Oh, said yeah, that's my right. My favorite bases. Right. This is my favorite lyric, lyrically. That's right. And I have not yet stated what my favorite song is. Let's get on with Sell My Soul. Another Garrett Magini song. Mm. Such weird drums on this one. Another one of these built up drum beats with percussive sounds you get this metallic clank throughout then it adds this this lower clunk to it as well it's regular enough like you know that the high clank can only happen at this part of the bar and the low clank can only happen at this part but they don't always happen regularly mm. it's it's fun to listen to i like it is it unsettling i don't think it's unsettling it's regular when it's there it's just sometimes it just drops out just like Peter Gifford bass line every once in a while. You know mm-hmm. what? I'm just not going to play that note every once in a while. Yeah. Then it adds these shakery things to them. You get these neat whooshes coming into the choruses. Here, let me play what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, get all your drum stuff over with. Well, it's drums and weird sounds. Big whoosh into the solo. And then there's this... Clack, clack sound. And you get thunder toms again in this song. In the middle of that solo, yeah. that is maybe a dobro or maybe just an acoustic guitar yeah. mic close, you yeah. get the thunder toms coming in there again. Yeah, and the uh, bass line's pretty interesting. I don't think I've heard Giffo play a bass line like this before. I, I wish I knew a name of the style of it. Okay. But it's basically just playing, uh, you play the root note like you should, like whatever mm-hmm. chord you're playing, you play the the fundamental note of it. Yep. Um, but then he kind of riffs around in the second half of every bar. So he'll do a bump, bump, and then do a little, okay. little thing. Yeah. And he does that all over the place, uh, particularly under the rap kind of part that comes later in the song. Yeah. No, I've oh, got okay. one more thing. Okay. Go well, I think coming out of that rapping Peter Garrett bit. So just using that snare just to accent things on the way out of the whatever we call whatever Pete's doing there. Lots of songs on this album yeah, yeah. Uh, are in D major. Could it be that D major is just a sweet spot in Pete's vocal range? Well, I just haven't noticed on previous albums mm. that they've gone for D major so often. Okay. Yes, it could be. Yeah. Like maybe it's just, and maybe they're trying to get him to sing in a more mainstream way on this album. Mm-hmm. So they chose just a sweet spot. Or or maybe as you were saying, this is a good place for everyone to come in and sing along with. Yeah. But 
it's not like the oils to keep choosing the same key so much. Right. Like it's that's not Jim's thing normally. But we were talking about how these songs, there's a lot more acoustic guitar. Uh, I think a lot of the songs were built with an acoustic guitar originally. Mm-hmm. And D major is a very guitar friendly uh, key. Sure, if you're playing like those open chords. Yeah, just yeah. to play open chords, uh, your regular set of... If, if somebody's just learning acoustic guitar, they probably know how to play in D major and G major. Those are the two keys. And anecdotally, mm-hmm. I found that campfire songs very frequently are in the key of D. Right. Like if, if people are okay. standing around singing, Far out. I don't know, like what, Kumbaya or something like that, right? Okay. It'd be nice to think that it was their outback experience experience that they brought the most important thing is that we have these strum along songs in d so there's that spacey pre-chorus in this world yeah uh and that goes back it actually goes to a minor for the verses um they have a bit more of a, a sad or ominous sound to them but then it goes back to that d major for that great i just want to swim with the fish in the yeah. sea yeah and then there's this kind of bizarre rap towards the song it's acapella oh yes he's it's the acapella section america's right. great now if you don't talk back you hide your face crawl and crumble and smile and snore a snail's pace something goes up and down walls yeah that's what you, I'm, I'm cutting that and those don't actually appear to be in here which okay. makes them even more of a rant yeah. rap oh yeah you were talking about that those clanking trains Clanking trains. Right. Are you talking about the train tracks? Weren't you talking about train tracks? I wasn't, but yeah, there's train tracks. No, no, wait. You were talking about the percussion. There was like... Oh, yeah. I was talking about percussion with like a high metal clank and a low metal clank. No, 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 but you were talking about like the the click-clack of the tracks. Nope. Are you positive? Let's make it easy for them. No, I don't think I talked about trains. Maybe I did. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Let's but, pretend. But let's say I did. You know what? I think I was talking about trains. Going clickety clop down the track. <laughs> horse trains. Yeah, horse trains. I thought in your super long discussion of percussion and drums and stuff, I thought you said that there's kind of this drum sounding part. Yeah. The cluck clack 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 clack. That sounds like a train. But sure. didn't you say that? This is where Robin starts losing his mind. Isn't that funny? Well, anyway, I wanted to say that I thought there was sort of some, the music ha- at times has like a train thing to it. Yeah, okay, for sure. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, no, I totally hear that. Okay, are we finally moving on? Is that enough to sell my do soul? You, do you want to talk about what it, the lyrics are? Yeah, like yeah, that? we should. We should. Again, a, a Jim Pete song, Be True to Yourself, is an, a nice, easy way to generalize. You know, don't be a sellout type thing. Pete, he wants to surf, maybe have his faith. Maybe that's kind of getting in there a little bit, but he wants to swim with the fish in the sea. Jim, if I was to guess at what he wants, he just wants us to leave him alone. <laughs> I'm just curious who the who the him is. Like who would it just be progress? The man. Yeah, selling your soul to the man. Yeah. Selling your soul to progress to Yeah. I think the um the rant does give some clarity to this song though mm. okay because it's just starting with america's great don't talk back you if hide you your face back and you hide your face yeah yep. i mean the the commentary on life in america 
makes me think that this is... It's great. Don't think about it. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Just don't talk back. Smile, sleep. Yeah. It's fine. Just enjoy it. It's all good. Yep. So... Don't ask questions. Sell... So selling your soul may be uh, about compromising your values. Oh, yeah. Yeah, giving totally. in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. And now, if we were back in 1988... And things ended the way they should... <laughs> Before people started meddling with things, yep. I don't really feel that strongly. No, okay, know. first, before we go on, I had a little check mark beside Sell My Soul as a potential favorite song, really? and I'm glad I didn't choose it as a potential oh, favorite yeah. song. Yeah, I would have thought a yeah. lot less I'm, of you. I'm, I'm good with Dead Heart. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes is a great song. Yeah. And in some ways, it's like Sell My Soul Part 2. It's almost a follow-up to it. You know, fight for what you believe is right. Yeah. You know, don't sell out. Do the right thing. Yeah. A couple songs about integrity in a broad sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Other than that, though, lyrically, it's just interesting. I remember as a kid listening to this and the the lines about the cannibals that wear smart suits and ties. Yeah. Even the delivery for that, I thought was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. It really struck me, too. That's right. Suits and ties. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole arm wrestling on the altar. Yeah, arm wrestling on the altar seems like a kind of like a desecration. Yeah, where sure. you know you're you're putting yourself above things. You're you're fighting. You're yep. Yeah. You're asserting yourself as opposed to yeah. Yep. And at the altar, and especially arm arm wrestling involves another person too. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're coming to this place where you're trying to make peace. Yeah, and instead you're fighting with somebody. Yeah, about so something. it's about you know two two tribes. Go to war. Yeah, um, it's kind of a Frankie thing. Yeah, I wrote well, down, you know, this this wasn't a single, eh? It would have been a good choice for one. We're going to listen to Screaming Blue Live. Yes. It has a live sometimes on it. Right. Which did get released, I think, as a single. Oh, really? Or, independently, our radio station here in Thunder Bay started playing sometimes every day when I had my summer job at the LPH, yeah. the Psychiatric Hospital. The Lakehead Psychiatric Hospital. Yeah. LPH. And I would drive by, well before you lived here, oh, yeah. I would drive by, almost right by your house, and sometimes would come because on. Because you were going to visit is it that cute girl who lived on Balsam Street? <laughs> no, that was even before that. Okay. This was back in 92. Robin's wife grew up relatively close to this neighborhood, yeah. too. Um, but in 92, this was three or four years before all that, hmm. um, I would drive home from work at like 4.30. Yep. And every day for like the whole in summer. The 78 Monarch. 76 76 Monarch. Monarch. Yep. Yep. The motch, because the the gnar <laughs> the, the, no, the the gnar fell off, and I just had motch, M O C H, yeah, the monarch, um, let it burn, um, <laughs> and I would, I got that joke, yeah. So to me, it was amusing though that, yeah, it seemed every day I would drive home. I want to say this is a complete thought. Okay, every day I would drive home from that play from work. Basically past your house where you are right now, mm-hmm. and sometimes from the live album would come on. Okay. Like... On the radio. On the radio. Day after day. Like every day. Huh, like weird. for weeks. That's bizarre. So, so the DJ just liked it and was in regular rotation. Yeah. No, it, it totally could be a single in my mind. Now, I prefer that live version. They mm-hmm. picked up the tempo a lot. Okay. And uh, Bones's bass line to me is is more interesting you see all the the, oh. the pieces of the fi- of bones baseline yeah 
in um, in, Giffo. Giffo, in Giffo's version here, but the slower pace. Giffo kind of amps up, not just plays it faster. He emphasizes certain things where um, there's this kind of just this alternating walking that it almost comes across as tribal. Oh, and, and I got to say, this is another D major song. Okay. Yet, yet another one. At least yep. the intro is. Yeah. Uh, but it, f- it goes to E minor for the verses. And there's a transition. The The choruses are happy, big sing-along chorus, right? Yeah. In G major, I think. Okay. Then back to D major for the instrumental. It kind of jumps around. Yeah, yeah. And then it does a big key change. I was going to say, like, right right towards the end there. For the final chorus, yeah. instead of being G, it jumps up to A. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, our cheesy thing. But the way they go about it isn't yeah. as corny. No, it's not like... We're in G, now A, and yeah. then you go up to A. Yeah, yeah like, I didn't even note it down as a necessarily a keychain, but I noticed that they were doing something there. It was just bringing a rise to the whole yeah. thing for that last yeah. push through to the end. That's how they do it. And they have some pretty cool transition chords. So is this one of the few electric-y songs on the yeah, album? Yeah. And like, uh, this is a real rocker. Yeah. This is a good rocker. Although have you been only listening to this version of it? Yes. I, oh what, yeah. What I, I think, listened to the album. Yeah. Because I think that live version that really rocks. Yep. Uh, hey, Robin, are we going to listen to Screamin' Blue and do a podcast on it? I'm sorry. Yes, we are. Yeah. So but, that's when I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. So I, I guess I just, I think my impression of sometimes as a whole yep. has been really influenced by that. Okay. So I guess what that's I'm saying fair. is that I'm kind of not as fond of this album version of it that we're yep. talking about. Yeah. And it's a little more sedate and a little more something. Yeah. It's just... I guess when I listen listen to it, like I bring in like live versions and stuff that I, I know that I've heard and that comes into my, my whole feeling of why I like this song so much. But I really do like this and I don't know why I don't have a check mark beside this as a potential favorite from the album. What I do like about it is, is that it's more, um, you might think it's a really simple straight ahead song, even lyrically. Well, actually, it's kind of obscure. Yeah. Of the verses. Yeah, the verses, yeah, what are they? But the chorus. But the chorus is maybe very obvious. Yeah, sometimes people are just going to beat on you for being you or for doing what you think is right. But do it. Do what yeah. you believe is right. Yeah, but you don't give in. Have integrity. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's viewed from integrity, that, that yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that this is a fantastic end to the album. (laughs) Yes. You're ending on a real high note, a real powerful note. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks for tuning in tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Robin doesn't want to talk about Gun Barrel Highway. Yeah, actually, no, I really want to talk about Gun Barrel. I know you do. Yeah. Okay, so are we done sometimes? For our purposes tonight... Gun Barrel Highway is the end of the album. Yeah. And here's why it was a bad idea to make it the end of the album. (laughs) Okay. You're ending really strongly with Sometimes. Yep. If you're going to end with Gun Barrel, you're kind of bringing things down a bit. Gun Barrel Highway is kind of like the behind the scenes of the album song. And it's really interesting. It's like the DVD commentary track for the album. It's really good for the nerds. Yes. Um, I enjoy it as a song, but it stands apart from the rest of the album. But it's not required. 
as an epilogue type thing. We, you don't need it. Put it on a best of the B-sides. Put it on a B-side and put it on a different album somewhere else. You don't need to have it on Diesel and Dust. Mm, that's an interesting idea. And here's where Mr. Folds is wrong. Take away Mr. Harbin. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how there's two different versions of this album where one, because sometimes is a good closer to the album, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you can think of Gun Barrel Highway as a bonus track. Yeah. And in fact, I, I didn't mention this yet. Gun Barrel Highway is actually the B-side oh. to Diesel and Dust on certain releases, like certain in Canada. Oh, really? We got Gun Barrel on the B-side. Did we? But not in the U.S. Eh. Because of the poop. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. So actually, I went on a long quest because I remember seeing the 45, the single yeah. uh, record for Diesel and Dust with that Gun Barrel Highway on the back, but I didn't buy it at like Thunder Bay Mall. Was it, what was the really? name of that record shop uh, that was right in the corner? Yeah. There's the arcade yeah. and yeah, I know Kmart. The yeah. Like, I remember it? buying stuff there. Maybe I got Red Sales or 1098 there. Yeah, we yeah. bought we bought some tapes there. Yep. And I remember seeing that and that was gone. And I spent some years, years after looking for that 45 because it had this elusive. Even though we weren't like record player kids. No, no. Well, I, yeah, I guess by then I moved on to tape. And um... Did you ever buy like records for yourself when you were younger? I always bought tapes. I had like breakdance on record for some reason. I did buy a few. <laughs> Do you remember that? I had it. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't have it on I had on tape. On tape? Yeah. It came with a huge poster. Yeah, I had the poster had... down in my bedroom. How did you get the, where did they fit the poster in the tape? They just it's... kept on folding it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so I went on a huge quest for Gun Barrel Highway and finally managed to get it. Oh, I... really? Did you bring yeah. it? So, bring it. No, it's at home. It's okay. at home, but yeah, I do have it. Right on. Um, okay, so that was a thing. The first time I heard Gun Barrel Highway was on one of the cassettes that we got from, from the, the old Usenet. Right, from the Powder Powderworks Works list. Usenet. Uh, yeah, so you, you didn't find any of those tapes, eh? You know what? I didn't even look. Yeah, but it had Gun Barrel on it. Yeah, it yeah. did. Yeah. And it I, had Warfrat on it, too. Yeah. Warf- oh. Warfrat. Okay. Love Warfrat. Um, but Gun Barrel Highway. Okay, my love for Gun Barrel Highway, because it's not just the song. Okay, I've been on the Gun Barrel Highway. Did I say this? Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit. So okay. there is a particular highway called the Gun Barrel yeah, Highway. It's kind of like a... Kinda, Straight shot? Well, yeah. Okay, so apparently the name was from this... Uh, it's uh, Len Beadle. I hope I'm saying his last name right. He's yeah. not listening, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, Len, Len Beadle uh, was back in, I think, the 50s. He was the main guy who orchestrated the building of these outback highways. Okay. And I believe he, they called themselves something like the Gun Barrel Road Construction Crew or whatever. Yep. And the idea was to build roads as straight as a gun barrel, apparently. That's part of where the, the name came from. So I love Gun Barrel Highway so much. I've been making a video game called Gun Barrel Highway really? for like years. How yeah. come I haven't heard about this? I don't know. I don't tell you everything. <laughs> I don't tell you everything. Okay. It, well, it's it's has many incarnations, but I have one that's almost complete. Um, Gunbarrelhighway.com. Really? It's mine. Wow, I, I didn't I, know that. I, I kid you not. Everybody go there right now. Gunbarrelhighway.com. Okay. I took a tour when in when I lived in Australia in 1987. It was my parents' idea. I yeah. went along, but it was good. 
we got on a bus that took us in a big circle. And I think first it went down through the kind of the subtle. Well, it just redirects the Bedford level experiment. Well, I know it does right now. I'm, I'm not. You can need a new picture. I'm like fat in that picture and I have a little beard. Okay, we'll take we'll take a new picture. Everybody um, don't go to gunbarrelhighway.com. Okay. Um we took the highway. I think first we went through the southern highway. We were in Perth, Western Australia, which which is over there, not up here. Well, uh, my map that centers around my microphone, <laughs> Perth is here. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh and I think first we went south and kind of up in Adelaide, and then we went due north to the center. Isn't, isn't Adelaide kind of east? No, no, Adelaide's in the south. Where's Perth? Perth's on the way on the west. Yeah, Adelaide's east. Yeah, it's east of, everything's east of Perth. You keep on saying south. What's well, South Australia. Oh, okay. What? <laughs> we went south to Adelaide. Well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm saying, just being argumentative. Yeah, you sure are. Uh, you're making this take forever, too. Um, we took the more southern highway to Adelaide. Doesn't mean it runs south. It's Along south the, the Great Australian Bight? Uh, I guess so, yeah. Right? So I'm asking you. I, th- I think that's where it is and what it's called. Okay. Okay, anyway, the point is, went to Adelaide. Then we went north to the center of Australia. Yep. Which is what's the what's the city in the middle? I don't know. Alice, Alice Springs. Yeah, okay. yeah. And Alice Springs is close to Uluru. Yep. And so we went to Uluru, uh, climbed as I already mentioned yep. in the Olgas, uh, which have yeah, a yeah. new Kata Judah or Kata Judah. Oh man, or yeah, yeah. I I couldn't pronounce any of those things. Okay. Um, and then we end up in Cooper Pedy, which is this. Uh, mining town where everybody lives underground because it's like 50 degrees celsius all summer oh wow and that's where barter town from mad max 3 yeah yeah yeah. was largely filmed neat yeah so that was really cool getting to go there i love mad max all right uh and gun barrel highway just kind of sounds like mad max to me yeah okay but anyway it's all just because of the song and i've got the the um len beetle books and uh and so on oh and while we're coming back Okay, so we're, we're driving down the Gun Barrel Highway, and it's just like red dust, and it was coming in through the vents in the bus, and like everybody's getting like red caked dust on, yep. caked on. I don't think it was supposed to do this, but this is what the bus was doing. And then it broke down. Oh, and we're going, he was doing like 110 or 120 on these dirt roads. Fahrenheit? Through, uh, kilometers per hour. Okay. Uh, and the bus would hit these dry river beds, and then bang out of them. We go flying. Everybody was so sick. Like I'm not prone to being car sick, but yeah. everybody was. It was just crazy. This crazy bus driver, but he broke the van or broke the bus, and it was, was this like, like a Greyhound bus or like a tour bus. Yeah, type it was some thing? kind of tour bus. Yeah. And there was like 40 of us on this bus or whatever it was, and it broke down. And he managed to get it to this this weather station or this. So it was just like a small settlement and the locals were cooking a kangaroo on the basketball court. <laughs> and then anyway, the bus driver took off. We don't know how he, he, he hitched, like he parked. We got out at this place that had this kind of bunkhouse yeah. and this basketball court. And then without really telling anybody, he got, I don't know, somebody was driving by, he hitched a ride <laughs> and he took off and he just abandoned us with this broken bus 
so the tour company somehow had to find a bus and we were in like the middle of the outback like hundreds of kilometers from yeah. anything so we were stuck there for i think two days really yeah and so we just played like euchre like we just played cards and that's weird it was really weird and yeah. uh had to wait for a working bus to show up and take us the rest of the way back wow oh and a piece of skylab had apparently followed yeah there. yeah so, yeah, yeah. Um, really yeah that's really neat so i don't know i guess i should try and find out where this particular i think it was called a weather station but this is like a very small not not even a town mm-hmm. um okay that's all kind of, those those are some of my attempt to be brief by concern. you think i go on i know i guess what i'm saying is gun barrel highway has a lot a good, of fond memories has fond memories for because me because your... and yes it, it's kind of like a series there's some argument over exactly what the gun barrel highway is yep. but it's basically these dirt roads uh and some people will extend or connect other roads up to it but yeah uh don't stop now we're almost at four hours by any standard this is a long and tough haul through very remote territory its isolation requires travelers to be totally self-sufficient with water, mm. food, and fuel. There's apparently 500 kilometers uh, with no fuel. Yeah. Like where you got to be able to make it. Yeah. But yes, but it's not a paved highway. And at least there are, yeah. Up here in Northern Ontario, we are pretty isolated. But Gun Barrel Highway beats us. Beat, beats it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about the song now? Man, is this song ever good? It's pretty good. I love this song. Okay. Then, has, you will, then you will enjoy reading Strict Rules. I should. Oh, yeah, totally. So it has uh, an electric guitar intro that really could be out of species diseases or something. It's got these great arpeggios oh, yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It does have kind of corny keyboards on it, but I will forgive it. Because you like the song. Because I love the song. Yeah. And then it gets back into the drums, bass, and vocals, which is a perfect kind of finishing full circle middle, beginning, middle, and end of the album this way. Have this uh, drums, bass, vocal thing going on. I love the bass playing on this song. It's got some really neat stuff, eh? Especially towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is why I had my my hesitant endorsement of uh, Dream World is because Gun Barrel Highway is actually my favorite bass song that's not on the album. That's not on the album, according to you, according yeah. to some people. And it's not really that it's not on the album, according to me. It's yeah. that it doesn't deserve to be doesn't on the deserve. album. It's so bad. It doesn't. <laughs> I like. I like it. It's yeah. a good song. Yeah. It just um, doesn't deserve to be on the album. <laughs> uh, so the bass playing, he really cuts loose, and, and I like that the bridge number two there towards the yeah. end. Oh yeah. There is some great stuff going on there. I, I knew you were going to love that. Yeah, I have to ask, like, was this recorded during the same sessions as the rest of the album? You're not asking me, are you? No, I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want I the would, truth. I would ask you. I want an expert to yeah, tell me. Because what I have to, it's almost like this was recorded differently. Like like as if uh, Live Z there yep. wasn't the producer. He let the band just like play and, and just rock. Yeah. Because that's what the song really is. Great bass playing. Um, and actually, it's almost like this is kind of getting into Bones style bass playing, hmm. uh, which Giffo can totally do. And Giffo's great. But it almost sounds like what Bones would do with a song 
if he was just let loose on it, hmm. I think I think I can let go. Just accept that. I'm going to say that this is. Oh, oh, doesn't the song sound like it's from a different album? I want to ask you that. Yeah, like I, I can hear Gun Barrel Highway belonging on the album. Yeah, like it's close enough to everything else that it fits yeah. to me, but it doesn't mesh even as well as something like the Dead Heart does. Yeah, you know the Dead Heart. Yeah. No problem believing that. It's right in the middle of this album and belongs there. Yeah. Gun Barrel Highway? Okay. Maybe it just wasn't produced as much as the rest of the album was or something like that. Yeah, although it's but, got... Yeah, it, there's something about it that's a little bit different. Yeah, it, it just has a different vibe. And maybe it's only because I came to the song five or eight or whatever years later than yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah. But this is the song that still gets me really excited. Like, I, I'm just excited about the song. But it really feels like it has something different to it. And, and I don't mean that's bad. I just mean no. it's it's just got a different thing going on. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, there's a kakadu man. You're just looking at me like I am the craziest Is dude kakadu ever. a man or is kakadu man a place? It's the kakadu man. I come alive. I read the signs on the gun barrel highway. Yeah. yeah. Far off a dull radio beats for the young uninvolved. The means of football. Oh, yeah. A, a stick in a can and a kakadu man. Will the speaker speak up or the oh, talker the talk talk down? down? Okay, so what is a kakadu man? Well, the kakadu man is this guy, Big Bill. I don't want to say his name wrong. He died in 2002 okay. uh, at the age of 82. Uh, was the last surviving speaker of the, uh, the Gajadu language, which was an indigenous okay. language from northern kakadu Mm -hmm. um this national park but anyway he was like the elder of this piece of land Mm -hmm. and he decided to lease it to australia uh to be a national park so it's become that but he's this guy big bill who is apparently a a giant strong man yeah but he was kind of like a hero of this too and he seems to have done a a lot a lot of good uh between the two cultures Mm. Here, let me tell you yeah. something that might be a little bit more prosaic. I've got highlighted, I come alive on the Gumbarrel Highway. Yeah. Was that what you were going to talk well, about? No, I love that. Go ahead. Yeah, well, just the whole idea, like, you know, this is the the tour diary. Yeah. Basically, it's talking about everything that's going on, the band's experience, and just kind of their, their opening up to and their taking on the interior of Australia and the bush and the outback as part of themselves. And, and this new part of, like, everybody in the band practically to a person says, you know, this tour changed me. Yeah. I came back from these four or five weeks, a different man. So I come alive on the gun barrel highway, you know, yeah. reflects that change in the, in their person. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, although it's, it's somewhat apocalyptic. It's like, hmm. uh, we burnt all the cars that yep. laid down and died. Did they yep. actually wreck or destroy cars? They didn't, that... but there's a lot of like, yeah, there's all strict those... rules. Um, yeah. Automobiles are like fruits and vegetables. You, you buy one in the morning, you drive it around and you sell it in the afternoon <laughs> and you just leave it on the side of the road. It's just not a thing Yeah. in that culture. Yeah. Like the, those type of, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we burnt all the trees to keep us alive. Yep. Sat around the fire, sane like a choir. Yeah. Uh, with again, the... like tour diary, like that's that's totally what they're doing. Like sitting around with the warumpies. Yeah, but with the ashes of a civilization in our eye. Yeah. 
in, in our eyes. It's interesting how it's apocalyptic, but it's also like they're taking ownership of what they've done to the to the civilization. Yep, for right? sure. Yeah. Nothing could be longer than a corrugated road. Mm-hmm. No one ever follows where the road trains go. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I remember as, as a 16 year old or something, yeah. you teaching me a little bit about what these road trains are. And I have like these images of like semi truck after semi truck after semi truck, yeah. just shooting down, like not caring if there's animals or people yes. or anything on the road, just barreling through down yeah. these highways. Yeah, that's right. So these the road... dirt highways in the middle of the desert. No way. Yeah. And with road trains, they're allowed to be, uh, there's a lot less regulation okay. so they can be much longer like here we've got our strict what 53 feet is the maximum length of a trailer on a canadian highway yeah but there they're allowed to string many together with these huge trucks that are much wider than allowed as well like they're just monstrous yeah uh and they can't go into town but they can go to these places and pull in um to deliver supplies I understand the tour diary perspective, but to me, it's a bit more than that. It's uh, talking about the the cultures colliding. I mean, it is all true. It's yeah. a tour, but it sheds to me. It sheds extra light on Australia, on the mm-hmm. outback, and it's got a little bit of mystery to it still. To this song, it's not as quite as literal as I think maybe you're saying. Okay, I like how there's still a little bit of mystery. I think I'm going to say this is my favorite song on the album because of the fantastic bass playing, because mm-hmm. of the imagery, and just my fascination with this highway and this area. Fantastic. Well, we got to play the game still. So. Oh, man, we got to play the game. Yeah. I hadn't thought about the game. Well, here we are. Let's play the game. Okay. You go first. Oh, I, I want you think to go about first. This. You got to think first. You know what? I, I figured coming into this that I'd be fine hanging on to Red Sails. Yeah. And I don't want I don't want those guys online to think, oh, yeah, of course Folds is going to take Diesel and Dust. He's just one of those kind of guys. Yeah. Diesel had a lot more going for it than, than I was anticipating it having going for it. I've enjoyed my two weeks with it. I'm I'm excited to be going on to Blue Sky Mine tomorrow morning. I can't make a decision right now. Think about it. Talk. I'm going to talk. Uh, I enjoyed revisiting this album a lot more than I expected to. Gun Barrel Highway really really does uh, a lot for this album for yeah. me. Um, but okay, I am going to stick with ten nine eight because of the desert island thing. I still feel I've I've more exhausted Diesel and Dust. Like I've I've, I've played it out and 1098 still has more for me. Yeah. Cuz I'm still with 1098. Yeah, no that's fair. So I'm just going to stick with 1098. You know, I've thought about my decision to keep Red Sails. Mm. Um I like Red Sails. Should I have kept 1098 Some instead of, yes. of Red Sails? I don't know. They're both really good albums. Yeah. At this point, do I want to go back to listen to Red Sails again? Do I want to spend more time with Diesel? You know, even just spending the last four hours talking about Diesel with you, I want to listen to Diesel again. <laughs> I know that I'm really looking forward to listening to Blue Sky Mine. Yeah. Never would have thought that, that we, it would, would, it would... we would go this long on Diesel. No. 
if I had a different album to throw away as opposed to Red Sails, maybe it would be easier to stick with it. Yeah. Dream World's a great song. Yep. Dead Heart's a great song. Yep. Sometimes I Like A Lot is a great song. War Kerna is a neat song. Yep. You know how I was saying that Bird Noises is a samey kind of album? You know, Take Out Wedding Cake Island. Yeah. And it's samey. In some ways, Diesel is samey. Yeah, I agree. And Red Sails has lots of variety. Yeah, it does have more variety. There's Son- a lot. More sonic variety. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of strong songs on Diesel. Oh. There's a lot of interesting stuff to listen to on Diesel. Yeah. It was number one in Canada. It sure was. It was the top album of the year. And when we went to Toronto, the big show... It was fantastic. There's, like they played lots of I diesel. I didn't. I didn't want to hear all diesel. Yeah, but I was super happy to be singing along with it. Yeah, it, it I was, can handle diesel. It was fun to. It was fun to sing along with. I can handle diesel. And You're dust. taking it. I am. Robin gave me the thumbs up. <laughs> I'm glad one of us did. But you know what? I know that like within the next month and a half, I'm gonna get to take Earth and Sun and Moon, <laughs> and I know I shouldn't be playing the game that way. Yeah. There are, there are other albums to take in the coming weeks. Currently, that's still how I feel, that Earth and Sun and Moon. I, I wonder if I'll end up yeah. hanging on to 1098 until then. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm so much looking forward to listening to everything else that's coming along, though, yeah. too. I don't think that I'm going to be that enamored with Redneck. But we'll mm. see when, it gets, when we get to it. Yeah. It's going to be a while. It's probably going to be like September until we get yeah, to Redneck. It's taking a while right? there, yeah. Yeah, I'll take, uh, I'll take Diesel. Okay. And with that, finally, it's time to retract the stylus, slide the vinyl back into its sleeve, and say goodnight until next time when we'll be listening to the Oils album Blue Sky Mining from 1990 on Comfortable Place on the Couch. Uh, I think it's 89. A Midnight Oil podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to Comfortable Place on the Couch wherever you find good podcasts. And you can get in touch with us on the Twitter at Darren the Folds and at Robin Harburn. Show notes are online at darrenfolds.com slash podcasts. So for Robin Harburn, I'm Darren Folds. Good night. Good night.